welcome. Uh, before I get into my message for today, uh, I wanted to talk to you, you know, uh, about something. Uh, we're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and one aspect of prayer that I take uh, very personally and seriously as your pastor is the opportunity to pray for you by name and by a written request. And so uh, we have some prayer cards. I think some of you got them coming in, and then we've, we're printing some more. We actually ran out uh, this morning, so we're printing off some more, and you can pick these up on your way out. And this is what I'm asking you to do, is to, to write your name on here and use your big boy you know, writing style where I can read your name. And uh, oh yeah, I've, I've struggled with some. Uh, and uh, tell me your name and how your pastors can pray for you in 2020. What's the issue that's going on in your life that you're the most concerned about? And write that out. And then what I do is I take all these cards and I, I take uh, uh, one day each week and I just start praying through all of them by name, uh, the best that I know how, and discerning each card. And then it gives me a chance to hear what's going on in your life and to come alongside you and pray for you and shepherd you as your pastor. And so you can uh, fill these out. You can drop them in baskets as you leave, or you can bring them back with you next week if you weren't able to pick one up. Now, <clears throat> last week I began a series that I believe may be one of the most important series I've ever done here as your pastor. And if you didn't get a chance to hear it, I encourage you to go online to city.church watch to watch it. I believe it's that significant to your spiritual journey and to who we are as a church. You'll get crystal clarity about who City Church is all about. Now, last week, we looked at an interesting invitation Jesus made to a young man named Matthew to come follow him. Because what was interesting is, is Matthew, we saw last week, was not a religious person, and he had lived a very sinful lifestyle, and yet Jesus invited him to follow him right where he was before Matthew got his act together. And we made some startling observations about following Jesus from this invitation. First, being a sinner doesn't dis disqualify you from following Jesus. It's actually a prerequisite. <laughs> Everybody that Jesus ever invited to follow him was a sinner. Now, if you, if you picture sinfulness being like on a spectrum where some of us maybe have committed more sins than others, maybe some of us have committed bigger sins than others, but... We're all somewhere on the spectrum. Everyone Jesus ever invited to follow him was a sinner. And what that tells me is there's no decision that you have made. There is nothing you have done, no mistake you've made, no failure you've experienced, no problem you're facing, no addiction you're struggling with that will disqualify you from following Jesus. You follow Jesus by starting where you're at, turning in his direction, and taking the next step of faith. Second startling observation we made, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. Now that one may strike you as interesting, but you do understand that everybody that Jesus invited to follow him, they didn't believe him fully at first. I mean, they certainly didn't believe that he was the son of God and that they didn't realize he could do miracles and they didn't realize he was gonna be their savior. But they followed him where they were. And, uh, and it, it did not disqualify them that they were not believers yet because they followed him. And along the way, they heard his teachings. 
They saw the way he lived his life and they did experience miracles. And so by following him, they ended up believing in him. Third observation we made is that Jesus didn't invite people to join a religion. He invited them into a relationship with him. And that's significant because the prevailing religion in Jesus, part of the world, and, and most religions throughout the world say something like this. Hey, you change so you can come follow us and be a part of us. Change your, what you believe and you can be a part of us. Change how you behave and you can be a part of us. Jesus said the opposite. He said, come follow me and I'm going to give you a reason to believe. Come follow me and I'm going to help you change. Come follow me and I'm going to help you become the wonderful person my father already sees in you. It's already in you. I can see it and I'm going to help bring it out of you. You see how that's different? And so the most important question that you could answer today is this. Am I following Jesus today? Am I taking a next step of faith today, wherever I am? Because following Jesus is not about where you've been or what you've done. Following Jesus is not about where you are and what you're doing. Following Jesus is about turning in his direction and taking the next step of faith. Now, today we're going to look at two versions of an account where Jesus invited some other people to follow him. And I say we're going to look at two versions or two accounts of it because uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Christian scriptures, there's actually four accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And, uh, and, and uh, it's pretty significant that there are four different accounts of his life because if you know anything of ancient history... Normally, a famous ancient person, if they have one or two accounts of their life recorded in history, that's pretty significant. Well, Jesus had four. And what's interesting is that each of these authors were writing to a different audience, and so they had a different purpose for the way they wrote their account of Jesus' life to fulfill a different purpose. And so we're going to look at two versions of the same account. The first one we're going to look at is Matthew's version, and Matthew was a Jewish guy who wrote to primarily a Jewish audience. And so everything he wrote was written to religious people who knew the Jewish religion. Luke, on the other hand, we're going to look at his version. He was not a Jewish guy. And so, and he did not write to Jewish people. So he wrote primarily to people who did not have much of a religious background. So we're, we're going to sort of uh, contrast these two versions, all right? So I'm going to start with Matthew's version because I think it's the one that people misunderstand the most. You ready? This is Matthew chapter four, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Doesn't that seem weird at once? I mean, you're out there fishing, which is your business, and this rabbi walks alongside and says, hey, leave your nets and come follow me. And immediately you just leave your nets? You quit your business? Doesn't that sound radical? Doesn't that sound strange and extreme? Well, it gets worse. <laughs> Verse 21. So going on from there, 
he saw two other brothers, James and John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. What? <laughs> really? Does that sound very spiritual to you? I think that sounds irresponsible. Hey, Dad, uh, this rabbi dude called, and uh, he wants us to quit the business. And so we're going to quit our jobs. Good luck getting good help uh, with the fishing business, Dad, and we're taking off. Oh, and can you tell Mom uh, we'll be in touch? Just let her know we got rabbi stuff to do. <laughs> Come on. Stories like this, like Matthew's version of this account, I think can leave you thinking something like, okay, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, I'm out. I mean, that's so extreme. That's so radical with no context. What? I, I mean, it leaves you thinking, I, I either I need more information or I got to wait until I'm at a place in life where I can just do radical stuff because I'm not there right now or something. And what this version of the account sounds like is it's all or nothing, do or die, in or out. And then some of us grew up with teaching and preaching built on this understanding of following Jesus. And maybe you heard something like this. Let me tell you, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Do or die, all in or all out, one decision. And I just want to ask the question, does anyone have that much faith at the beginning? I didn't. And I think this kind of explanation or expectation, it leads people to, to believe Christianity is based on some kind of blind faith. I don't think that sounds like faith. That sounds like blind faith. And I, I just want to clarify the Christian movement, the Christian religious movement is an informed movement. It's not based on nothing. And so that's why we're going to look at two versions of this account. Because I think, I, like, okay, so my background, I grew up with the Matthew version. Like, this is what we focused on, the Matthew version, which sounds so radical and so strange. And I think some of you may have been exposed to this version of what it means to follow Jesus. And for some of you, that's why you've had a hard time with following Jesus. Because this version says it's all or nothing, in or out, no in between, no steps, no journey, no relationship, no decisions along the way. There's one decision. You're either in or you're out. And I want you to hear me on this. I believe that version of what it means to follow Jesus has done damage to his movement and has scared many people away who desperately needed to follow Jesus. And so we're going to look at Luke's version of this same account, and I think what we're going to get is some of the context and the missing gaps of what led these young fishermen to follow Jesus. So let, let me give you a little bit more information about Luke. Now, I, I did say Luke was not a Jewish guy. Uh, he's a medical doctor. He was a contemporary of Simon Peter and the Apostle Paul and Jesus and the first century Christians. And uh, we do know he got to interview Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, because when he became a follower of Jesus, one of his purposes in life was to go around and get all of the eyewitness accounts of people who had heard Jesus and seen Jesus' miracles and to, to write his account of Jesus' life. And so when Luke did that, he wrote for non-Jewish people 
who did not have uh, any religious kind of background, at least not of the Jewish faith. So they needed more information. They didn't understand all the rabbi stuff. So they needed more information in his account. Okay, so you ready to get the fuller account now of what actually happened? All right, this is uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genezareth, okay, pause for a moment, that's what non-Jewish people called the Sea of Galilee. Jewish people called it Sea of Galilee, non-Jewish people, Lake of Genezareth, same, same body of water, okay, so we're in the same scene. All right, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Okay, so does, does this start to make a little bit more sense? So the fishermen were, were on the shore and what was going on beside them where their boat was, was Jesus was teaching the large, large crowds of people. So if you get the picture, Jesus is, is, is like, you know, if this is the water, he's turning, he's teaching the crowds and the fishermen are over here working on their nets. And so they're hearing Jesus teach while they're working at their boat. And so I think what's significant about this is Jesus is teaching them about his movement and what it will involve, which tells me that following Jesus always begins with information. It begins with listening and learning about him and his movement. It doesn't start with uh, leave your job, leave your family, and come follow me. That's down the road. And a part of this context, it makes so much difference because if you've ever been uh, around a religion or a brand of Christianity that says, well, uh, you just got to believe and stop asking all those hard questions, well, you ought to run away from it. The Christian faith is an informed faith. And the beginning point of following Jesus is about gathering information and learning about who he is and his way of life and his movement. And you ought to be able to ask questions along the way. I mean, that's a part of exploring faith in Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is standing near the edge of a large lake teaching large crowds. Notice what happens next. Verse two, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, now, now let's put Matthew and Luke's version together. So who are the four fishermen? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And so they've been there on the shore cleaning their nets while Jesus has been teaching these large, large crowds. So they've been getting information about what Jesus' movement is all about. Now, Peter takes his first step of faith in his relationship with Jesus. Jesus asks if he can use his boat as like a stage to let out from the, the shore a little bit so he can speak to the crowd better. And so Peter stops what he's doing. He gets in his boat with Jesus and goes out away from the shore a little bit. And so that became his first step of faith. And can I just say, doesn't that sound like a more normal first step of faith? I'm gonna let Jesus use my boat. That's a nice step of faith. <laughs> and you know what? That's what some of you, that's, that's where you're at. You see, what, what happened was Peter went from working on his nets and sort of listening to Jesus to sitting in his boat with Jesus, sitting and listening, taking in what he had to say. And that's why some of you are here. You're here to get more information. You're here in the service. Or maybe you're even sort of like the fishermen were. You're watching online. Uh, you're watching on Facebook because you like a little bit of distance there, and that's cool. I, I want you to know 
you're taking a first step of faith in following Jesus. And I think it's awesome. It's the first step of faith that Peter took. And you're learning and you're taking in information and you're listening and you're, you're learning truths and teachings and Jesus' way of life. And we hope you'll ask hard questions too. I think that's a part of the journey. So Peter went from listening, you know, sort of listening to the side while he's cleaning his nets to now sitting in the boat, really getting a chance to hear from Jesus. That's his first step of faith. Well, then Jesus asks him to take another step of faith. Uh, this is verse four. <clears throat> When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I need to explain something to you about fishing in Jesus' day because that statement doesn't shock you, but it would have shocked uh, people in, in Jesus' day. Because in, in Jesus' day, a fishing in the Sea of Galilee, which was a very, very deep lake, uh, you didn't fish during the day. You fished at night. And so uh, at night, um, it, during the day, when the sun came out, the fish would go down into deep water so you couldn't catch them. But at night, when the waters got cooler, the fish would come to the surface to feed, and that's when they would eat, and that's when fishermen fished with nets. So everybody knew, every fisherman knew, that you fished at night, not during the middle of the day in the deep waters. And so I'm assuming that when Jesus asked Peter, Peter had to be a little bit shocked because Jesus asked Peter to do something that he's done a thousand times before, but now Jesus is asking him to do it in a different way and at a different time that Peter probably thought wouldn't work. And I wasn't there, but I thought, I think Peter was probably thinking something like this. Oh, these preacher boys, they don't know nothing about fishing. I'm a professional fisherman and we all know you don't you don't catch fish in the middle of the day using nets. You fish at night. And by the way, Jesus, I just finished cleaning my nets. And now you want me to get them dirty again for nothing? And what was at stake here? Is would he risk trusting what Jesus said? Notice how Peter responds. This is verse five. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night because that's when fishermen fish and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let the nets down. <laughs> now, I love the first part of that response because he's, he's trying to let Jesus down easy. You know, he's trying to let him know, you know, Jesus ain't gonna work <laughs> because you know, we worked hard all night, which is when you catch fish and now you're wanting to go in the middle of the day and we ain't gonna catch nothing. So I, I wanna let you preach boys down easy and just make things okay. But you know what's interesting? He says, he doesn't think it's gonna work. He doesn't think it makes sense. But he says, but I'm gonna do it because you say so. And that's where some of you are right now in your journey. You, you've learned some more about Jesus, his way of life. And you sense that he's asking you to do something in your life that's unlike anything you've ever done. You've done it a thousand times another way. He's asking you to try his way. And what's at stake is, are you going to risk trusting what Jesus said? Well, I want us to notice what happened when this young fisherman fished when fishermen ought not to fish. Verse six. When they had done so, when they had gone into the deep waters and cast their nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. It was a miracle. Now, you couldn't prove it was a miracle, right? But it's at least what I call a God incidence, which is where something that defies human logic happens and it's extraordinary, and it suggests divine intervention. And I think God made the, made the catch so big just to emphasize the point of what happens when you listen to what Jesus says. And so now they have all of these fish, and, 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 I'm, okay, and I go to a certain dark place in me, the American business side of me, you know what I mean? If I, like if, if Peter was an American businessman, I think he might have responded to this miraculous catch of fish like cha-ching. <laughs> Jesus, I think we need to forge a business partnership here because lots of fish means lots of money. And if you can miraculously make fish come into the nets in the middle of the day, woo! Man, I'm talking new house. I'm talking bigger boats. I'm talking more nets. We can make some money here. But that's not how Peter responded. Instead, he was overwhelmed. Verse eight, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. You see, they knew it was a miracle. And what happened in that moment in, in Peter's journey of faith with Jesus is he moved beyond information about Jesus and learning about Jesus' way. He moved beyond uh, uh, knowing some things, information about Jesus to actually experiencing Jesus in his power. And it did something to his soul. He got clarity about who this man was, at least a little bit more clarity. And he got clear about who he is, a sinful man. Every person Jesus ever invited to follow him was a sinner. It's not about following Jesus. It's not about where you've been or what you've done. It's not about where you are and what you're doing. It's about what direction you're facing and taking the next step of faith. So you, you have the picture now. Simon Peter has collapsed at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. I recognize that. Notice how Jesus responds. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Instead of confronting him for being a sinner, instead of shaming him, Jesus meets Peter where he is. We don't know what he did that made him feel like such a sinful man. But Jesus met him where he was and says, where you are right now, follow me. And then he did something else. He cast vision to Simon to begin to think about his life in a different way. And he used a metaphor that Peter would understand, that of being a fisherman. He said, you look, you've been a, fish, a fisherman, a fisher of fish. I'm going to make you a person who fishes for people. And what Jesus is doing is casting vision for his part, Simon Peter's part in his movement. He was calling him out to live for something beyond himself that was not about himself. He was calling Simon Peter to live his purpose. And that's one of the great reasons to follow Jesus in your life, is as you keep take, uh, taking steps of faith, you realize you began to live with purpose, and your life begins to have meaning and fulfillment in your life.
Okay, now, can I, I'm gonna, can I tie it all together? I'm gonna, I want you to see how this all ties together. Then, after he got more information, after he heard Jesus' teaching, after he took a first step of faith, then he took another step of faith, then he took another bigger, risky, riskier step of faith, and he experienced a miracle, and he got clarity about who Jesus is and about who he was, then you get verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, and they left everything and followed him. Well, see, now doesn't it make sense? See, there was context here. Now this doesn't sound so radical. It doesn't sound so weird and strange, right? This was not a bunch of flaky fishermen bailing on their dad's businesses, following around some rabbi traveling around in a psychedelic painted VW bus, driving through the countryside begging for money. These were young men who took steps of faith And as they came to know who Jesus was, and and they risked trusting him at each step along the way, when he made a big ask, they took a big step of faith, and they followed him. And they changed this world. Now, I I want us, what I like about the Luke version of this account is I think it shows the phases or steps in a journey of following Jesus, right? So the first phase or the first step is where you're sitting and listening. It's where, where you're gathering information about Jesus and his movement. It's where you're exploring his movement. And that's where some of you are today. You've taken that step of faith. I'm excited for you. I, I, and, and what I encourage you is to keep on digging, keep on asking hard questions. You're welcome to ask hard questions here. We're not afraid of that. And I do want you to know, uh, we like to say here at City Church, we're a messy church. And here's what I mean by that. We accept people into our church wherever they are in their journey. And so we understand we're going to have some people here who don't believe what we believe. Well, duh, that's how everybody begins. And we're going to have some people here who don't behave the way we behave. Okay, that's how everybody begins. And if that's you, I want you to know you're welcome here. We love you. And, you know, we're going to do everything we can to help you in your journey of faith. And if, if you're, you're walking with Jesus, then I encourage you to help us create that kind of welcoming, loving environment, right? Now, some of you are at the, maybe the second step or phase, uh, phase. That's where you loan him a boat and take him fishing. And that's where it gets a little exciting, you know, because that's where you, you risk trusting Jesus with some aspect of your life. Maybe it's personally. Maybe there's a relationship that he wants you to get out of because you know it's not right. Or maybe it's a relationship he wants you to make a commitment to because that is the right thing. Or maybe it's some moral issue in your life that you sense your next step of faith is to deal with this moral issue and to face it. Or maybe you sense that he's leading you to get involved serving somewhere in his movement as a step of faith, either here at City Church with one of our social action partners, or maybe even just serving somebody in your family or your neighborhood who needs to experience the love of God the grace of God, the compassion of God, and to help them in their journey of faith. Or maybe some of you, what you would say is there's a habit that is ruining your life and your next step of faith is to face it head on. Whatever that next step of faith in in this part of, of your journey with Jesus, I encourage you to take it because that's where you get the opportunity to experience the God incidences like Peter and the fishermen experience where you may even get a taste of a miracle in your life, and it'll rock your world. And then some of you are at the latter stage 
of following Jesus. It's the leave your nets stage. And that's where you, you've been walking with him for a while. And you've experienced him in your life. You know what I'm talking about. And now is time for you to surrender your life to him. To leave whatever he wants you to leave and to follow him. And it probably doesn't, and I want to make this clear, probably for you it does not mean to quit your job and leave your family. Okay? Can we just be clear about that? I know what you're thinking. <laughs> but what it probably does mean is this. He's inviting you to, to get your sense of identity out of following him beyond what you do in life. See, when Jesus said, I'm going to teach you to fish for people, he was saying, Peter, I don't want you to just think of yourself as a fisherman anymore. I want you to think of yourself as my follower and let that sense of identity in infiltrate every part of your life. So I'm calling you, if you're at this stage, don't think of yourself as just a nurse or just an accountant or just a contractor, just an electrician, uh, fill in the blank, just a soldier. You are that and that's great and that's wonderful. But beyond that, you are a follower of Jesus. And let that sense of identity infiltrate every other aspect of who you are. As a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, as a citizen, as a neighbor. Because there are people out there who need to experience the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God. And they need help along the way in the movement. And I promise you, you do that. You surrender your life to him in that way. You will make a difference in this world and you will make this world a better place. Now, a few years ago, my wife, uh, Barbara, uh, won a free trip. It was like two weeks in Italy. And it was awesome. We began in the great historic city of Rome. And while we were in Rome, uh, we got a private tour of the Vatican and of St. Peter's Basilica. Now, if you're not familiar with that site, uh, that is the site uh, where... Centuries ago, the infamous emperor, Roman emperor Nero put Christians to death on that site, including crucifying Simon Peter upside down. And it's a very humbling place to be, this place called St. Peter's Basilica, revered by many Christians around the world. And what I find so interesting is the only reason we even have a place called St. Peter's anything is because a young fisherman risked fishing when fishermen don't fish. And the rest is history. He made this world a better place. He left a legacy. And if you follow Jesus, you will fish for people. You'll find your own unique way to make a difference in this world, in his movement. You will make an impact that matters. And when you leave this world, you won't just leave behind a fishing boat. You'll leave behind a legacy. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, it is so wonderful to know that you accept us right now wherever we are. And today you invite us to follow you. And that's my prayer for every person listening, every person watching. That wherever we are, we would turn toward you and take the next step of faith. And my prayer, Lord, is that you would give us uh, courage to do that, uh, give us faith to do that. And my prayer is that along the way, we would experience you in some of the ways that Peter and his friends did, and that that would encourage us along in our journey of faith with you. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.